Hi, this is Lisa Davis, and welcome to another episode of Talk Healthy Today. This show is brought to you by the folks at Better Nutrition, Amazing Wellness, Clean Eating, Vegetarian Times, The Yoga Journal, and more. The show provides you with the latest research tools and common sense tips you need to get and stay healthy starting today. People tell me listening to the show is like overhearing two friends talking about really incredible health topics that you want to know about. I like to really get to know my guests and I'd like you to get to know them as well. So we delve really deeply into topics and I like to share some personal anecdotes as well. To make sure you never miss an episode of Talk Healthy Today, be sure to subscribe, also rate and review. So thank you again for listening to Talk Healthy Today, and here's a word from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Talk Healthy Today. When I was a kid, the main thing my mother and I fought about was how messy my room was. And as a kid, it really didn't bother me. I I kind of thrived in the disorganization of it all, or maybe I just thought I did and I was just lazy. I don't know. But all I know is as an adult, I can't stand clutter. And it's funny because my husband is just a super organized, neat guy. And I shouldn't say when as an adult, I should say after years of being with him, (laughs) uh, it rubbed off on me and now I can't stand it. Now we have a daughter though, who is like the hurricane, the clutter is everywhere. And so I have to constantly work, but I tell her it makes a difference in how we feel in so many different ways. So when I got the incredible book by Gretchen Rubin, she is a New York Times bestselling author of The Happiness Project. I know you know who she is. She has a fantastic new book that I absolutely love, Outer Order, Inner Calm, Declutter and Organize to Make More, excuse me, I'll say that again, Declutter and Organize to Make More Room for Happiness. Gretchen, welcome back. I'm so happy to be talking to you again. I know, it's been far too long. This book is so good because it walks you through all the ways that you need to do it and also why it is so incredibly important. And I am so meticulous now. My mother, she passed away when I was in my 20s. She would be like, who are you? What have you done with my daughter? (laughs) Yeah. So how did you come to this realization about how outer, as you write in the book, outer order contributes to intercom? Well, partly, you know, I've been writing and thinking and talking to people about happiness and good habits for years, and I noticed that whenever, this, you know, people would talk about getting more exercise or making more time to read or spending more time with the people they love or putting down their phones, but when the topic turned to something related to outer order, whether it's decluttering or organizing, there was like a special energy. Like, if I talk to people, like, do you make your bed? Like, people just loved thinking and talking about issues related to outer order. And I realized that and that's true for me, too. Like, I cleaned out my utility closet, and, like, I feel like a million bucks. Um, there's just this <laughs> disproportionate connection between outer order and feeling kind of a sense of energy and focus and um, almost possibility uh, for people. Now, there, there is a small number of people who I would say are clutter blind. Um, this is like my sister. I have a podcast, The Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast, and my co-host is my sister, and she is one of these people where she doesn't see it. It does not bother her. <laughs> I mean, everything being equal, sure, she'd like it to be tidier, but she really doesn't care. But that's a very small group of people. I think most people are like you and me, where we really do feel like it gives us a lift um, to have things be in an orderly way. Oh, it definitely does. As a matter of fact, I lived in such a ridiculous way for so long where because I live on the East Coast like you, 
you know, with the seasons, you have your summer clothes, your fall clothes, your winter clothes. And last summer, for some reason, I don't know, I fell off the wagon and my summer clothes were just like in baskets around the room. And it, I, I finally took the time this summer to take all of the warm stuff out, put it, I found a place for it. I don't have a lot of closet space, so I had to be creative. And I actually hung up everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, I thought I lost that dress. I love that dress. I forgot about this shirt. Oh, I know. Right. I don't need to go shopping. Cause I was like, oh, I don't have any summer clothes. Uh, ding dong. Yes, you do. <laughs> You just have to organize them. And this summer is so much better because I get up, I see what's in my closet, I put an outfit together, boom. Well, and the good thing about what you're doing is that you're actually touching everything and going through it. And I think, like, one thing that is a huge issue um, is decision fatigue, um, which is should I keep this? Should I get rid of this? Should I give it away? Should I wear it? Should I not wear it? And when the more you are sort of in contact with what you have, the more it occurs to you, I don't wear this. This doesn't fit. This thing is too itchy. I never want to wear it. This doesn't go with anything that I have. Um, I think it makes it easier to go through that process, which really needs to be something that we're sort of always doing, um, is kind of culling through our things. Because it's it's weird. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I am, my sister calls me a happiness bully, and I will be <laughs> insistent if I think there's a way for you to be happier. And one thing I do is I constantly beg my friends to let me come over and help them clean their closets because it's, like, so exciting for me to get the buzz of clearing the closet. And um, over and over, we'll, we'll pull out a bunch of stuff to give away or to, you know, get rid of it. And people will look at their closets and say, oh, I feel like I have so much more to wear. Yes, isn't that interesting? Because when it's all the things you like to wear and that work and that are seasonally appropriate, like you say, then you feel like you have an abundance of clothes. When it's a bunch of stuff just jammed in there, you're like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, exactly. And I love this. You write, consider the three big questions of clutter. When trying to decide the fate of possession, ask yourself, do I need it? Do I love it? Do I use it? See, there's certain things that I love. Like there might be a dress that doesn't really fit, but maybe it will someday magically. I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm happy with where I'm at. So it's never going to (laughs) fit. Yeah. Or like some of my daughter's clothes from when she was a baby. There's just a couple outfits I absolutely love. And so I gave away all the rest and I just keep like one or two. So how do you handle those situations where you have like a sentimental attachment to things? Well, I think that's hugely important. And I think some people who write about this want to say possessions aren't important. Don't hold on to the past. You'll be happier with less. And I just don't think that's the common experience of mankind. (laughs) I think we do really treasure possessions. They do remind us of the people and places and activities that we love. But with something like clothes that your daughter wore, I think you did exactly the right thing, which is pick the ones that you love the most, the ones that are the most infused with emotion or that are the most special in some way, and hold on to those and get rid of all the others. Because what happens is if you say to people, well, you can't keep anything, then they're like, well, I want to keep everything. And But actually, mementos work best when they're carefully chosen and few in number. Because two cute little outfits you can have in a drawer, and every couple of years you can say to your daughter, can you believe that you used to be able to fit into this, and it's so cute. I just did that the other night. <laughs> yeah, and if you have boxes and boxes of everything that she ever wore, you're never going to look at it because it's too much and it's not that interesting. Like, it's a bunch of boring clothes. Like, if you pick the things that are really significant... I think that we do have room in our hearts and our closets for for those few things. And then you can also do things like take pictures of it or, like, make a quilt out of it. You know, sometimes people transform things so that they keep their memory, but you don't have to keep the whole thing. But I do think that it's worth keeping a few mementos. It's just the problem becomes when you're like, I need to keep every piece of paper that my daughter brought home from school for 
from kindergarten to 12th grade, that's no fun for anybody. It's too overwhelming. If you pick, like, I have, a bo- uh, like, a banker's box. It has a folder for every year of school, and I put in, like, the school photo, the invitation of the birthday party, our annual Valentine's card. Like, if my sister got married, I put in the copy of the wedding invitation, and, like, eight or ten pieces of schoolwork that are, like, special in some way. That's fun. Oh, that is fun. Because that's manageable, and you can keep it organized if it's on a shelf. If you keep everything, it's like, that's so fun. <laughs> that is brilliant. Okay, I need to do that. Uh, beware of storing things. So on each page, you have a different, wonderful piece of advice and, and information. We had moved in 2009 to the house that we're in now. And I remember, I don't know if it's out of laziness or what, but there was just a bunch of miscellaneous stuff. And I was like, well, you know what? We're, I'm just going to store it. So I remember going to the storage unit and schlepping all this stuff. And then we moved into our new house. I went to the storage unit, unit and I was like, I don't want any of this stuff. So I wow. ended up wasting the time, wasting the energy, wasting the money yeah. to not use any of it. So yeah. now I'm at the point where like, let's say something happened and we had to pick up and move. I'm organized. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, there's a few loose papers in the like drawer where the pens are, but I pretty much try every few days to make sure that things are as organized as they can be. Because I don't want to end up in that situation again, where I schlep a bunch of stuff that I don't need. Well, and it just feels so good to be able to lay your hand, you're like, I need a ruler. I need AAA batteries. Yeah. I need a light bulb. Where's my passport? <laughs> it's like, I know where those things are. It's just, it just, I feel like, just, I think I am particularly annoyed by looking for things. For some reason, that's always just been very annoying to me. So me I love the feeling of like, I know that's not in our house because if it were, if it were in our apartment, I would know where it was. And that thing just is not in, I, like, I know whether we have a hammer or not. And if I think we do, we do. And if I think we don't, we don't. And I, if it's where it's supposed to be, that's where it is. And if not, we got to buy one. Um, it's a good feeling. And then, like you say, then you're ready for action. Like, you don't need to call a bunch of stuff. It's not going to be a huge ordeal for you because you've been doing it all along. Yeah, that's the thing. And if you don't, oh, my goodness. I have yeah. a friend whose mother was, <gasps> I wouldn't say hoarder-level yeah. pack rat, but pretty close. And I'm not yeah. spilling secrets. He openly talks about it. And when his mother died, he spent literally, I thought this was too much, but he spent four years going through her stuff. And I I don't understand most of it's junk. Like she'd have coupons from 1963, but then they'd be mixed in with like photographs of his great grandparents and photographs from his childhood and and important paperwork. And part of me felt like, well, maybe you got to let some of that go because four years to go through stuff is insane. But at the same time, he was afraid of missing anything that was important. And so when I saw that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that. But that's an extreme case. <laughs> There's a book called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. Oh. And what it, it basically makes the argument that you really owe it as uh, to your to your 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 descendants, your children, your grandchildren, to try to do that work yourself. Right. And so the death cleaning is is basically the cleaning you do in, in anticipation of your own uh, you know, disappearance. Um, so that you don't leave a burden, because it is very common. I mean, the thing is, if you have a suburban house with a basement, a garage, yes, an attic, an pantry, an extra bedroom, even if it's not that big a house, but if you, like, live there for 40 years, like, you moved, and that's one of the things people say, moving is a great, you get rid of so much stuff when you move, and people who have moved many times are really pared down, because that's such a, because you're like, am I going to pay to move this thing? No. Um, but if you've lived in the same place for decades, if you've had kids whose stuff is still in there, it can be... Matt, you cannot believe how much stuff one little house can hold. 
Yes. It was really, really such a huge, overwhelming task for him. This is something that I struggle with, Gretchen. Find a place for items that are neither dirty nor clean. So the top of my dresser, I'm just, I as neat as I say I am, every few days there's like a stack of stuff. I, I wore this thing once and I wasn't yeah. sweaty and it's not dirty. That's a funny place where you're like, where do I put this stuff? <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting because I don't experience this, but this is something that turns out to be like a major stumbling block for many people. And I think what what helps is like you're just putting it because you don't have a kind of an official place for it. Right. You are just putting it in kind of a liminal place, like kind of an unofficial place. <laughs> I think the thing to do is to create an official place for it. Like often hooks, like if you have a couple hooks in your bathroom or if you maybe could clear out one drawer and just put the things there because somehow it seems to mess with people's sense of, like, things being clean. And yet it is something that you could wear again, And so, but it feels wrong to mix them. So just create a kind of a, an official holding place for those things so they can be put away properly, but, like, in deference to their, their kind of gray, you know, n- neither black nor white, but gray uh, category. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And you touched on this one earlier about... Uh, office supplies aren't useful if they aren't used. And I've gotten really good at this drawer has all the pens and pencils. And then we have one that just has scissors and tape and things like that. And that's why when sometimes I'll look through it, I'm like, why are there, why is there mail in here? No, 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 no. That doesn't go in there. (laughs) Get get out. (laughs) Oh yeah. Mail. You got to keep your eye on mail. I recycle it. And then there's sometimes there's things that I need, but I'm not sure where to put them. You know, maybe there's an important letter or something, or my daughter went to camp for the first time ever, and it was a big deal, and she wrote us some letters. See, something like that, that's what I would put in the banker's box. Oh, I would okay. put it in, like, this, like decide whether this summer goes to with the year that's already passed, or the year, like, are they a rising eighth grader, or have they just been in, uh, uh, you know, and then just put it in there. That's the perfect example of the kind of thing that I put in there because it's like, okay, I have these letters. They're really important, but where do they go? They don't have a place. But if you have this banker's box, you're like, this is the place where those kinds of things go. It's like highly sentimental papers related to a certain period of her life. And no one is going to enjoy it more than, than she will. Right. When she's 50 years old and she goes back and she sees these things from her childhood. But it'll be in a place where it makes sense because it's like these are the, you know, and you don't have that many of them. It's not like you have an entire filing cabinet full of that sort of thing. And, and, and because it's a banker's box, it forces you to be choosy. You're not gonna, if she's written you 100 letters, you're not going to pick 100 letters, but you'd pick like the three best ones. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good that's point. And then that's fun. It is I mean, fun. thinking about your grandparents. I mean, so many people are like, oh, I have every letter my grandfather ever wrote my, ever wrote my grandmother. I'm like, well, that's not even fun. <laughs> right? Like, that's just like, ah, uh, who has the time to go through that? Yeah, that is true. I know, unless they're like, you know, like, you know, it's D-Day or something like that. I mean, it's just, you wish that somebody had gone through before and been like, some are worth keeping and some are not worth keeping. We need to go to a break for our fabulous sponsors. We'll be back in a moment. I used to save every letter I ever got from everyone. I still have a big box somewhere that I need to go through because there's some people that I might smile and say, oh, yeah, but there's some people who are not in my life at all. Then I wonder, yeah. do I want that reminder? I mean, the important thing is my, you know, my mother passed away when I was in my 20s. So every letter I have from her, yeah. I'm keeping. My grandfather, who I was yeah. just crazy about, everything from him, I'm keeping. But a friend I had in eighth grade, do I really need to keep their letter? You know? <laughs> well, one of the things, you know, is there are certain things that are replaceable and certain things that are irreplaceable. So I'm a big, like, I think something like, okay, you have a big metal mixing pot that you don't use. 
how hard is it to decide to get rid of that? I'm like, well, if you never use it, like, give it away because somebody else is going to get good use out of it. Something like letters from your childhood, journals, things that are irre- old school book, uh, I mean, old yearbooks that, like, your friends wrote in, those are truly irreplaceable. And so to me, I'm like, if you want to err on the side of keeping more of that stuff, I mean, keeping letters in a big box, that's not that burdensome. Yeah, that's, that's not true. like a giant armoire that you inherited <laughs> from your great aunt that you don't even really like but that you know she loved. It's like... That's not that burdensome, and there could come a point where you would be like, I really want to get in touch with that childhood self, and it really would be fun, especially now when people don't write letters. It might be really just interesting to go back and look at something like that. So for me, that's not like a super high priority going through that kind of thing. For me, it's more like every toy your child ever played with, um, everything that's in your kitchen cabinets, like how much of that is actually getting used, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Because... Things that are purely, or like, and it's also how big something is. Like a piece of paper is pr- as easy as it gets. You could even scan that stuff and put it. Though I think there's something about the physical object that's yeah, kind too. of cool um, with something like letters. But like, um, uh, you know, often, like you can you can pick and choose something and kind of let it be the thing that stands in for all the rest. Like my grandfather who I loved, like he had his grandfather clock, he collected clocks, he had a special chair that he loved to sit in, he had his roll-top desk that he used every day, and he had his pocket watch. He was an engineer on the Union Pacific Railroad, so his pocket watch was really, really important. Like they had to like, they were like, it was a huge deal that they were exactly, they had the time exactly right at all times. We knew that as children, and my, my, my mother knew that as a child. What do I pick as a memento of my beloved grandfather? The chair, the grandfather clock, the desk, or the pocket watch. Well, pick a pocket watch. I don't need all of it. I just need one thing. I don't even really need one thing, but I want one thing. But the pocket watch is as good as everything else, and that I can put on the shelf. I don't want to move that grandfather clock around for the rest of my life. You know, I live in New York City. (laughs) You need to talk to my friend who cleaned out his mother's stuff because he still keeps so many huge things that he doesn't have space for, and he pays a fortune in storage because someday he might. Anyway, that's a whole other thing, right? You're like, just. Well, the someday someday someone will use this is very, very alluring. Yes, it is. Yeah, talk more about that. Well, I think I think we all just want to see our things put to good use. And so it's like, well, this is really good. I want to put it in someone's hands. Um, and so you think, well, maybe someday, maybe I'll have a bigger house and I'll want to use all this furniture. Or maybe somebody I know will be filling out their full, their first house. And um, and But you can end up holding on to a bunch of stuff that no one's using. You know what I mean? Like if you just gave it away, if you gave that kitchen table away, in a way, it's less satisfying because you don't see who's using it. You don't under, you don't know its fate. But if you hang on to it until you can give it to somebody who you know wants it, you could end up paying for storage for twenty years, and no one's using it in the meantime. And like, hey, it could like the wood could split and it could become useless in that time. So I think often it's better to try to get things out into the world right away if you're not using them, and like let them find their destinies, and not to wait for kind of the ecstasy of the perfect fit. And this is actually, because I went on a big book tour, this is something that you see is very regionally, there's a lot of differences in regions. Like, I went to certain places where they really had very robust ways for, like, if I gave you my kitchen furniture, like, they worked with, like, Habitat for, the, for, the, for Humanity or whatever to, like, outfit houses. And so it was, like, really, it was put to use in a very satisfying way right away, in a very tangible way that you could imagine. And that was super exciting. A lot of places don't have that. Like, you can't count on that. And so it's sort of, and I think people don't like that feeling of not knowing where it's going, but it's just 
sitting in a garage or no one's using it. That's not good. I mean, I think we all like to see things being put to use. That's very satisfying. Oh, I agree. You know, you have these great nine promises. You write, Outer Order offers nine promises. I'm just going to read a few of them. Uh, Outer Order saves time, money, space, energy, and patience. Outer Order fosters peace within relationships. Outer Order creates a feeling of sanctuary. Outer Order reduces guilt. There's so many in it. And I think what's so important about the book, like I said, is, you know, I've been touching on some of the things that I've struggled with, some of the things that are in the book. But I think what we haven't talked about yet, and I'd love to talk about in the last few minutes, is the outcome. And when I walk into my house and the counter is almost spotless, like I have my Vitamix on it and maybe, you know, just a couple things and that's it. I just feel lighter and happier and more energetic. But when I come in and everything is everywhere and I just feel overwhelmed. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's that's really the thing to keep in mind is how good it feels. I mean, you do feel – a friend of mine said, I finally cleaned out the fridge, and now I know I can switch careers. <laughs> and I knew exactly how that felt. There is this feeling of, like, you just feel so good. You feel so – like, your mind just feels clear. Uh, like I say, there's this tiny number of people who do not experience that. But I think for most people, they really do get this boost – and so I think it really is worth it for most people to and, and sometimes I think people fantasize like I have to spend the entire day cleaning out my office or something like that. And I don't have a whole day and if I did have a whole day I wouldn't want to spend it doing that. So a lot of the things I talk about are little things that you can do as you go, like the one-minute rule, where you're just doing things a minute at a time. And people are astonished how just within kind of your ordinary day you can have these little strategies that in the end, well, by the end, by the end of the day, by the end of the week, by the end of the month, you're really much better off and you do have that clarity. Because it's sort of disproportionate. Like, it should not matter so much that you've got your summer clothes put away. I mean, in the, in the context <laughs> of a happy life, your summer clothes are not the most important thing. And yet it really matters. It really it does, does. affect your mood. Right? <laughs> it totally kind does. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just makes things easier. You yeah. know, I used to lose things all the time. And so Ugh. I have a little bowl by the fridge for my keys. I haven't lost my keys in like five years. That's, That's safe. Usually every day I'm like, where's my keys? Where's my keys? <laughs> so you have to create these habits and you have to keep them going. And I'm still working on the dresser situation. I got new hangers, so I have more space in my closet. But we have to keep doing it. And once you make it a habit, I'm sure you notice this. It sticks. And then when you see any clutter, you're like, nope, that's got to go. Well, that's one of the funny things is that clutter attracts clutter. And, like, when there's a pile of stuff, people just add to it. And as you say, like, when there's nothing there, the one thing that is not supposed to be there really sticks out. And it just it's just much easier to be like, oh, those, those headphones don't belong there. Or, oh, oh, I should put my sunglasses away or whatever it is. Um, oh, this jar of this this bottle of olive oil should go back in the cabinet. It just it's but once there starts to be a bunch of stuff, it just feels like well, what's one more thing? And and then stuff gets lost because you're like, oh, I didn't know that that piece of paper was under that pile. I mean, it really is kind of a virtuous cycle or a negative cycle depending on whether things are getting orderly or getting messier. It is so true, Gretchen. I can talk to you forever. This book is fantastic. I mean, we oh, just. Thanks. You. Barely scratch the surface. Again, Gretchen Rubin, Outer Order, Inner Calm, Declutter and Organize to Make More Room for Happiness. Gretchen, tell everybody where they can find you and your wonderful books. Oh, yes. You can read all about me and all my books and listen to audio clips and read sample chapters and get 
discussion guides and one-pagers and manifestos and all kinds of stuff um, at GretchenRubin.com. That's my website. That's like a, like where you can find everything. I'm also on social media, every all the usual places, under the name just Gretchen Rubin. And I have a podcast called Happier with Gretchen Rubin where uh, my sister, Elizabeth Crash, she's a showrunner in L.A., each week we talk about how to be happier um, with lots of kind of concrete, manageable ideas for how to be happier. Um, yeah, and so I, and I love to engage with listeners and readers. Um, so, uh, I, you know, hit me up if you have ideas or insights or questions. Oh, that would be great. Gretchen, you're always welcome here. It's been way too long, and I love to have you back anytime. I, I just really enjoy you, and I love your work. Oh, you're so, I know. I feel like we could talk all day. Yes. <laughs> We definitely could. And if you want to, I do have one closet. I still need to organize a little bit more. I know you said you love going to people's homes. So if you're in the Boston area, let me know and you can come and clean. I know. I'll do it. And I'll make you a nice meal. Thank you so much for listening to Talk Healthy Today. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.